This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you work in the film industry? Are you freelance? Or perhaps you have a nine to five? No matter what you do, mental health affects us all. I struggled early on in my career with the uncertainty of if and when I would ever work again, struggling to pay my bills or simply with anxiety. Don't know about you, but being an actor, it's very important for me to maintain structure in the downtimes. And I found not only exercise, but talking to someone for me was a game changer. And so Life in Film has partnered with BetterHelp to provide you with access to the largest online therapy service in the world. And it can all be done from the comfort of your own home, from a phone, tablet or laptop. No commute, cutting down travel costs, and most importantly, it's affordable. With over a thousand therapists in the UK, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. If you need someone to talk to and you're thinking of giving therapy a go, BetterHelp is a great option. And being a listener of the podcast, you get 10% off. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash life and film. That's betterhelp.com forward slash life and film. Welcome to a life and film. I'm Elliot James Langridge. I'm an actor, writer, and apparently a podcaster. And I love film. This is the podcast that we ask our guests from in front and behind the camera. How did they get their foot in the door? What was the key to unlocking their success? What's their story? Previous guests include Scott Adkins, Andrea Riseborough, Toby Jones, Jason Fleming, and Wumi Masaku. Our guest today is actor Tony Curran. Tony has been in the business for 40 years. We talk about what it's like to go from being a postman to having small TV roles in Grange Hill to being thrown onto Hollywood blockbusters such as Pearl Harbor and Gladiator. Why his mum hit Sean Connery and his most embarrassing moment with Dustin Hoffman. From working with Spielberg to playing Vincent van Gogh. More recently, Tony has been in the hugely popular Ray Donovan and has shared the screen with Brian Cranston in your honor. It's a laugh and fail. Hey, Elliot. Hey, man. How's it going? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. Very good. Thanks so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. No, no problem, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Have no, you got one of those um, new iPads that moves with your face? Yes. It's, I just uh, saw it. I was like, oh. It was, it, it's weird. I, I, was, I, was doing a, I was doing a Q&A um, with... Uh, Tracy Ishafor and Martin Comston and Claire Mandela, a producer of Mayflies. And um, I was sitting there and Martin was like, have you got like a cameraman following you? <laughs> I, I, like a steady cam? I said, yeah, I've got a steady cam operator full, you know. No, I just said it's one of these iPads that when you move, is it distracting? I know it's good. I like it. It's very professional. I mean, I feel yeah. like I need to get one for self tapes. It's it, right. it's, it's the <laughs> way go. to do it. Obviously, that's my that, that's my piece of advice for self tapes. There you go. Get yourself an iPad. I'll use bro. that little clip bit right there. Get right. yourself that, an iPad. <laughs> that's funny. Where well, are you? you? Where I, I'm you? in um, I'm in London. Are you you're yeah. out in LA? Are you at the moment? I am, but at, at this moment, I'm actually in Mammoth. Oh um, right. And, a winter wonderland. Oh wow! Yeah, very different weather. <laughs> we just arrived last night for a 
a few days skiing um, oh, before, nice. I, before I head back to London on Tuesday. Oh, lovely. To start, oh, a, to start, start a job that I'm going to do my best to um, not tell you about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we can warm up to that. I'll try and get yeah, it out of right. you later down the line. Of course. <laughs> I, 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 you seem like the type that could do that, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to say first off that... Um, I mean, obviously, I sent the email, um, and I mentioned that I watched Mayflies with a mate who's who's been dealing with cancer. He's going through chemo right now, and it was a program I was quite surprised that he wanted to watch, to be honest. Um, but he found it really like almost like therapeutic. He really enjoyed it, and he got a lot from it. Um, and I guess he felt like he he wasn't alone watching it. And and it, for me, it was an emotional thing just watching it. But I can't imagine what it was like for him. But he said that your performance and, and the whole show, he he just really enjoyed it. And it's given him a kind of, it's almost given him a, a bit of peace um, with his situation because he's only just, you know, he didn't find out very long ago and, and you know, the chemo's only just started. So, but he he really did. He found a, um, he found it very kind of touching and and it he really got a lot from it. Um, wow. Wow. So cathartic in some way, maybe. Yeah. Is he, how I mean, old is he? How old is he? So he he's in his early forties. Um, and it, actually, a part of the you know one of the I don't want to give anything away about the show, but um, you talking about your symptoms at the beginning and stuff, and it's kind of similar to what he had. And when he told me about those symptoms, I thought, oh, that's a really that's a really strange. You, I wouldn't necessarily my head wouldn't go straight to cancer. Um, right. And so you know, watching it was like, oh wow, this is really kind of close to home, but. It was so such a powerful show for I mean anyone that hasn't yeah. seen it that's listening to this now, urge anyone to watch it and and it really is harrowing but it's such a well done show. <laughs> it's um obviously it's the it's Andrew O'Hagan's um uh you know lovely novel powerful novel award winning um uh, novel but um it was yeah it was as as you saw in the show when uh, me and Martin are together and um. Tully and, and Jimmy are at that table in the back, his back garden. And he says, you know, you should write about us noodles. We knew how to live. Um, kind of always gets me that line because that's what, uh, his name was Keith, who Tully it was, was Keith, who I actually played. And um, Andrew was, Andrew was Jimmy. So basically uh, he, he said that to his friend, you know, he said that to, Keith said that to Andrew O'Hagan, you know, because he knew his his time was coming to an end, sadly, tragically. And, and he said, you know, we've had a wild life. You should write about us, you know. So, and he and there he, he you sort of a sort of an homage to uh, to his to his great friend, sort of a memory. Um, and uh, he wrote the novel, and now um, people seem to be, um, you know enjoying uh, uh responding to the to the show elliot so that's um yeah it's very humbling for everybody involved you know so um yeah mm. well i guess we're very we're thrilled and overwhelmed mm -mm. when it comes to obviously you're playing a real person in that um and obviously dealing with the cancer element of the show how do you prepare for something like that what, what's your kind of i don't know it's quite a it's a lot um how, how yeah. do you prepare as an actor <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, <clears throat> well, I, I was uh, first. First of all, um, I was um, 
I got when I got offered it, I was uh, I was thrilled, but I was also um, terrified. Okay. You know, I was scared. I think it's good. It's it's a natural uh, um, response for you know anything in life that you might challenge you in any walk of life. Well, speaking as an actor, you're like, oh gosh, there's a lot of um, you know, this is a very serious subject. You know, cancer, euthanasia. And uh, obviously, it's affected. Well, who hasn't it affected? You know, so uh, yeah, I felt, I felt a little um, scared, but I think that's good because, because uh, you know, you're alive when you're feeling like that, and you've got to, um, you've got to respond and see see how you can uh, see how you prepare for it. I um, I went to a a place called the Maggie Centre in Glasgow, when I, I talked to a lot of people. Um, who deal with uh, terminally ill cancer patients. And um, there's 24 of those cancer centres around the UK, and they're incredible. I went I went to one of them, uh, and uh, I'm not sure if you can see I had an epiphany, or I had, but I definitely, you know, without sounding, you know, dramatic, or, but I had a moment when I spoke to these people and they were telling me these, these beautiful, um, tragic heart-wrenching, sometimes horrific stories of people that have suffered and um, and people that have come through chemo and come through um, the process of all that. And um, and it really hit home with me, you know. My, my father died of mesothelioma cancer when he was 63. And it took him very quickly in six months from when he was diagnosed. Um, and I guess I, you know, you, as, as an actor, you, you use that as well. You use your history, you use your past, you use what touched you as a as a human being. And um, and I remember just going out into the backyard and there's a little yard <clears throat> there, very beautiful, beautiful design, the Dutch designer who designed the, these buildings that the Maggie Centre's in. And I just went out the back and it's all covered in trees. It's all, you know, very uh, idyllic. And um, it started to rain and uh, I was listening to some music and I just sort of had a, a moment about it. Uh, you know, I was quite, I was quite moved by the experience of talking to all these uh, incredible, you know, givers and helpers mm. at the Maggie Center. So, uh, and I kind of, uh, it kind of moved me greatly, and I sort of just had a bit of a, a connection with that, I guess. And it made me think, yeah, I can do this, I can do this role. But um, I also, uh, I'm also, uh, I meditate a lot. You know, I try to, uh, I try to meditate every day, mm. and uh, I actually went to. Uh, uh, my daughter's waving at me. I went to a, a hypnotherapist before I went to Scotland and did about three, four sessions with this woman. And uh, and people are like, well, what did you do that for? I said, well, I was just trying out, see what see what I could, you know. you know. I mean, our, our conscious mind is, is all there and we have these thoughts and yada, yada, yada. But, but there's so much in our unconscious that we don't tap into, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and uh, and I wanted to tap into that <clears throat> for the uh, you know for all elements of of, of the role I guess um, and uh, some some of my friends laughed at me. What are you doing that for? What's that all about? You know, <laughs> I'm like you know fair enough. Horses for courses, you know. I'm, uh, you can I don't care if you have a laugh, but uh, at the end of the day, it's how you feel as an individual, an actor, an actress you know, preparing for a role, you do whatever you got to do, I think. Um, 
to make you feel when you get on set that you're you're prepared, you're ready, and you're malleable. I think actors, you know, we have to be as malleable as possible. We have to, you know, we have to bring ideas to the to the set, and and then just yeah, you, know, you work as an ensemble with the director, the other actors, and then you know be ready to try anything, you know. And sometimes, yeah, be ready to fall, be ready to fail, but then, you know, okay, I'll try that. Oh, I didn't work. Let's try something else. I get it. Sometimes we have time restrictions and certainly on Mayflies, we have plenty of that. But, um, but no, I just, I just went um, and uh, I happened to therapist, this woman I went to see and she was incredible. And I sort of, uh, I sort of tapped into uh, triggers for me, things mm-hmm. that could set me off or could, uh, um, and sort of emotional or, or, or you know, other areas of that. And I, I, and I sort of, uh, it was quite an emotional time going to see this woman. But, yeah, but that's yeah. not for everybody, eh? But, um, but I was, uh, I'm sort of an open-minded person and I was like, I want to try, uh, I want to try, try, try this to see if it can, if it can help me. But, oh, um, but also on the day when it comes down to it, uh, it's the script. It's what's in the story. It's what's written by the quill, you know, whoever the writer is. And then you, what's on that script, that's what you take from it. And then it's scene by scene, moment by moment. And uh, and you prepare as best you can. But, uh, but um, and also the other actors working with Martin and Ashley and Tracy and everybody. Um, uh, it was such a, everybody was so present that it was, um, it was very helpful to, uh, to bring it off the page, as it were, and make these characters live. Excuse my long-winded answer, really. No, 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 no. It's really interesting. <laughs> uh, what did did you know Martin Constant before you shot this? Because the relationship there is, so, and I know it's your job, obviously, to make it natural, make it believable. But yeah. it really was that bond there. You know, it felt really genuine, and it felt so real and reminiscent to my relationships with some of my mates you know kind of the the banter and the joking around even if a serious situation has arisen um yeah do you know each other we yeah we did we um we we did a film uh a film called red road years ago that 2005 2006 that andrea arnold directed um that we actually went to the Cannes Film Festival with <laughs> was up for the Palm Door, um, oh, wow. and yeah, I ended up winning the jury prize, which was which was wonderful. Um, Kate Dickey was in it as well, who's a oh, incredible. Wow. I have to check that out. Yeah, check it out. It's pretty. Um, it's a pretty intense film, but I worked with Martin on that. Um, that was uh, oh, 16, 17 years ago. So we'd known each other quite a while, and we're both. Um, daft Celtic fans you know so um <laughs> there's that bonding as well and uh, we just became good friends he actually came to America um one time uh, when I was in LA living on West Hollywood on Sweetser and um he jokes about this in an interview and he said I Tony Curran you know he, he really looked after me and he had me sleeping in his kitchen linoleum floor and I went, hey, hang on a minute, you weren't on my floor, you were on the couch. He said, no, no, I was on the kitchen floor because there already was somebody on your couch. And I was like, it was sort of a, you know, early 2000s, you know, uh, it was a Tony Curran's YMCA home for, you know, <laughs> homeless uh, 
<laughs> phrase and actors, you know. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. We look after each other. So, he, he, you know, he came over there for a while and, and we hung out in LA for a bit. We've been, you know, hanging out in London and Scotland going to see football games. But but I think we a relationship in that film was quite... Um, it, it, we sort of became great friends, you know. And I think that casting-wise, um, uh, the casting of this was, um, was you know, maybe a... A, a really crucial part of it because their relationship had to be so um uh i don't know an, an effortless friendship sort of way that you mentioned earlier but your friends are, are sort of joking sarcastic you know you know always taking making fun of each other that sort of vibe um but there's a, a real tenderness there and, and you can tell that they they're great friends and they love each other but i think um because we didn't have a lot of time on this, it was only like five weeks. It was something like uh, someone said. Someone said fifty. It was twenty. Yeah, twenty-seven days shooting, fifty-three locations. Oh. So <laughs> there was a lot to do. Yeah. So the fact that me and Martin maybe just sort of hit the ground running um, was, uh, I think, if it was other actors, maybe that you know didn't know each other. Of course, definitely could have worked but it might have been more challenging but um but we trust each other you know and with martin comson you can't really well my experience you can't really hit a, a bum note mm. or you'll you'll smell it you know <laughs> you know all right you know if it's not if it doesn't feel uh genuine or, or a truthful nature to it but i think we both um uh felt really comfortable with each other and i think mm. that was uh um kelly who, who who cast it? It was a piece of a. It was a piece of very good casting, you know. Mm-hmm. And all the, I mean, all the the people that play you young and, and all that, all that casting was brilliant. The whole thing was ah. cast really well in a way where you think, God, if you did get one of those relationships wrong, it the whole thing just wouldn't work as well. And I think that's what made. I don't want to give away to the audience; I haven't seen this, but the sort of end sequence where they go to Switzerland. Um, that whole build up to that and when they're there and they're all at the table that whole thing just because you've had all the the flashbacks and you've had all the other like them young and their relationship now it's such a powerful moment um and when it ends you're like oh is that you know (laughs) do you know are you like i you know i want to see more um but it just yeah it works so well and it's a testament as you say to the the casting and obviously the great writing um, yeah. But yeah, that's such a powerful moment. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah, no, it's hard, it's it's hard to watch. Hard to watch. It is, it, is, it is hard to watch in a lot of um, actually we um, <clears throat> we had a little uh, premiere uh, on Wednesday evening in Los Angeles. Um, okay. I don't know if that's illegal or not, but uh, there you go, sue me. But yeah, <laughs> we had at a friend's house and um, we put up a big screen because I've only watched the show you know, on an iPad, like the one I'm on now. Yeah. Uh, I haven't really had time or I've been, uh, you know, so but this is, this was a sort of cin- a little big cinema screen and uh, we, a bunch of friends came over and, um, uh, you know, we had some food and drinks and stuff and, and, and a lot of people watched it and were very moved by it. Some so that they had to leave, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's sort of a, obviously it hit home. Oh, too very, much for for, for many people, and then but that ending and the music as well is just um, 
Uh, I mean, the composer um, uh, is just incredible as well. Um, the music. Uh, I was just following their composer Stephen on on Instagram last night. I was just um, just watching them. This sort of this this sort of visuals of them, you know, rehearsing and putting the tracks together for the show and for the end of it. And uh, it's just so evocative, 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 and um, and powerful. It's like the cello and the uh, this violins and this this the piano. It's um, it's just stunning, you know. So no, yeah, the music, the whole thing is great, great. Yeah, I I want to on a on a sort of cheerier note because obviously yes. as amazing as the show <laughs> yes. as it is, it's a dark subject matter. But to go back to um, you know, the beginning when you first started acting and you first became interested, um, what was the kind of what was the initiation? What was the thing that kind of got you excited about trying to be an actor? And uh, can I ask as well? I did see that. I don't know if this is true. Were you originally a postman before you were an actor? I was, yeah. I was a I was a postie. <laughs> so, postie. so how did that Help change? Us. What what happened there? <laughs> tell please tell me. <laughs> uh, I wasn't a very good postie. <laughs> El Postino. Um no, I just I just did it when I was like um 15, 16 years old in Glasgow. I was, you know, I was I just left school. I left school at 15. Um, um for me my academic uh, grades at school weren't, um, uh, I wasn't setting the heather on fire, you might say, you know, it wasn't, um, I, I didn't have a great time at school, although I found drama at school, Mrs. Skillen and Mr. Black, who were my drama teachers at Holyrood School, which is the biggest of this Catholic, you know, secondary school, high school in Scotland. Um, 2000 pupils it was wild but, uh, but I, uh, I ended up I'd leave school I left school and then I ended up you know doing odd jobs and working here and there but then I got a job as a postman and I, I'd, um, I'd, I'd have a mail round and I sort of did that for about a year and a half or something um, but um, I don't know if it was my calling you know as it were but, but it was it was nice to you know have a couple of quid in my pocket, you know, at the end of the week. But uh, but as I was doing that, I was still working, um, doing some, you know, youth theatre stuff and, and things like that. Glasgow Schools Youth Theatre, Scottish Youth Theatre. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's sort of where I, uh, I got into it. I just, I guess it was a, I guess in life we all need some way uh, to express ourselves. And whatever that may be, not just as an actor, but in any other walk of life, whatever we do, you know, recreationally or, or sports or socially, culturally. Um, but I guess I had a lot of energy as a kid, and and I, and I guess yeah, I, I was trying to place it somewhere. And um, I, I guess drama was something that sort of, uh, I mean, thankfully, you know took me in or I, I sort of opened myself up to be, um, um, to, to want to be part of that, you know, it was, uh, mm. but I, I, it's, it's, but looking back, I mean, actually this year I'll be 54 and, uh, without a word of a lie that I, this is, this is 40 years I've been doing this. Because wow. Wow. I started when I was 14, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. to say that, 
but I hope people don't think he's an old bastard. He's past his sell by date. But um, hey, no. That's um, it. Now you've said yeah, that. Been, been doing that <laughs> yeah, he's done. Get the hook off. But no, I've been doing this a while, so. But um, that is crazy. It's wow. wild, but you're, yeah. Um, I started on a, a BBC uh, STV thing called Stooky with David Mackay and an actress called Caroline Patterson and um, Lenny O'Malley. And, um, and, uh, and that was when I was 14 years old. That was my first gig. Um, so that's when it kind of kicked off for me. Um, so I'm very grateful and, <clears throat> and very thankful that I'm still here um, do, doing what I'm doing and still... Um, but you, you, know, you never stop learning doing doing this, you know. So, and um, so hopefully, uh, you know, I can keep. Yeah, well, keep long may it continue. <laughs> yeah, indeed, trucking away, Elliot. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it. Forty years is that is crazy. Like, cause you just, I'm not just saying this, but you don't seem old enough to be be able to say that. Forty years is yeah. That's it's an impressive amount of time. Um, yeah. I've got you, a me- I've got a mental age of twelve though, so <laughs> maybe that. That helps. That helps. That That's does it. help. Yeah. That helps if you're in the industry. What's like in any uh, facet? Yeah. That's that helps. Yeah. I was watch, is- sorry. I was I was watching a little clip. I watched these little uh, clips of actors, you know, from De Niro to <clears throat> um, Glenn Close or, or um, Brando or Jack Nicholson. Or there was one with Kirk Douglas, and someone asked them about what's you know. What is a an integ? What's a most important part of being an actor? And, and he, Kirk Douglas, was like, <clears throat> "Well, you have to be like a, you have to be like a child. You know, you have to be in touch with your, your inner child. You know, your kid, especially when you're, um, you know, running around uh, as a gangster chasing after Burt Lancaster or shooting at him or something. You know, he made some sort of funny gaff, and he was in his eighties at this point, Kirk Douglas, and he was sort of saying." You know, if you're dressing up as a cowboy and running around like that, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny, you know, he saw, he was sort of laughing about it, but he was saying you have to keep in, in touch with your, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're a big kid, you know, I mean, you get, you get, you get paid to get dressed up, you might put on another accent, funny, strange accent, you might have a wig on, um, you're on stage, or you're on television, or you're on film, um, yeah, it, it it's a <laughs> it's it's a it's a great it's a great job, you know. But um, at times, yeah, you have to pinch yourself, and so it, it is an amusing way to make a living as well. Sometimes, but yeah, yeah. My point being, sorry, I digress about keeping in touch with your your inner child, you know. <laughs> I think that that's great that it comes from someone like him who's. You know, he's one of the most iconic actors who ever lived, and he's still at that age. Back then, was like, you know, yeah. the big kid. That's it's quite totally. humbling to hear that. It is, yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder. Um, obviously, you. I mean, seeing the credits that you've. I, I mean, I was obviously fully aware of what you've done, and I'm a fan of your work. But then to actually do my homework for this podcast, I was going through, and I was like, wow, like there's so many things that I didn't know that you were in in the early days as well, like before you became like you know this person that people know. Um. You went from like doing, we actually share two credits, which makes me laugh. I We've both done The Bill and we've both done Primeval. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I haven't done the Hollywood films that you've done. Not yet. But, um, not yet. How, not yet. Not yet. But how did it, how did it feel when you did, you went, went from like, you know, doing A Touch of Frost 
to then going and doing something like Gladiator or Pearl Harbor. The differences between those two things, can you tell the audience kind of, you know, what that's like, the, the, the difference between those two sets? Yeah, no, I mean, I guess, you know, when you do uh, Taggart or Grange Hill. <laughs> Grange Hill, Hill. Grange I saw Hill. that, I was like, oh my God, Grange Hill. That was a brief passant performance cameo <laughs> or um, uh, or the bill or uh, things like that. Yeah, no, the, it was always fun to do that. But then, you know, I was I was lucky enough to, when I was in my 20s, work with Antonio Banderas and Omar Sharif and go to Vancouver for six months. Um, mm. uh, you know, I had a little small role in Gladiator and and, and, and Pearl Harbor. But, you know, I, I just guess that <clears throat> the... Uh, it, it seems like the, uh, you know, that you up the ante, as it were. It's uh, everything's <laughs> there's, there's more people, um, you know. There's a there's a huge budgets, and um, they're just the gas. You know, there seems to be a little bit more pressure uh, turned up on um, on some of those some of those uh, bigger projects. I you know, granted Pearl Harbor or Gladiator, I didn't have very. I had a little cameo on both of those, but. Um, 13th Warrior had a larger role, but but I mean, I, I came on set one day, um, for to do a wardrobe fitting on Pearl Harbor, and I was only playing this engineer, a Spitfire engineer. Um, um, Michael Bay obviously was the director, um, and I went in just to uh do a, a wardrobe fitting as I was leaving. It was, it was England, one of these lovely in Kent, somewhere, one of these lovely um country mansions but there was a few spitfires around there was like three of them and there was an air, air, airstrip or a grassy they created an airstrip and um it was uh ben what's his name played batman who was in it the actor ben affleck ben affleck and a lovely uh, lovely other actor and as i was leaving set uh that day to come back the next day or the day after to shoot this scene um I heard the radio. Uh, we uh, we need Tony. Is Tony Karen uh, still on 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 location? Oh, and, and um, I oh, know he just left. He said, well, "What can you get him back, please? We need him now." And like, oh. So we turned around and I said, "Oh, what am I going back for?" And then they went the radio and they said, "Oh, we're going to shoot that scene in, in half an hour." And I was like, well, "Okay, what?" <laughs> oh wow! Like, we're not. We're, we're, things have changed. We're not going to shoot it tomorrow or the next day. We're going to shoot it. In, in th the next half an hour, we've got some, we've we've moved some things around. So That's apparently, nice. there's a tracking shot of about hundred feet. There's a track camera. Ben Affleck, this other actor, a walk and talk, and they basically talk for good thirty seconds, thirty seconds, thirty <laughs> seconds. And as 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 they come to the end, the, the last part of this, this 30, 40 second walk and talk, the camera uh, in one sh one shot pans round to me as I'm standing on a on, on the wing of a Spitfire and I say uh, Two didn't come back sir we counted only 11 and just as I say that he whips and four Spitfires fly into shot over my head so <laughs> I'm like so when you go from touch of frost I guess to, to shooting that especially when you weren't expecting to be shooting it yeah. and, and you got to uh you have to nail it, you know. I guess I got a little bit nervous, but um, oh my god, the pressure! Three takes, and uh, and then you know they, they sort of visually put in some more Spitfires later. But um, but it was the fact that you could hear the Spitfire in the background going. Mm, and if you ever if you ever heard a Spitfire, uh, a Rolls Royce engines, 
they're beautiful, but they're they're ominous and they're you can hear that coming that gets sort of down this little valley. And, and the closer it gets, they're talking and obviously they might have to revoice it because of the sound and all that, but the, the noise of the Spitfire and <laughs> the camera's getting closer and I'm like, okay, just don't screw this up, right? Just, <laughs> just uh, make sure you hit your mark and uh, oh, the pressure. See your line. So anyway, I guess the enormity of of, of big um, productions like that with Ridley Scott yeah. or Kobe, John McTiernan who did Die Hard and The Hunt for Red October, yeah, yeah. Warrior. You know, the, the up, ups the ante. But I, you know, I'm, I'm you're in your twenties and at the time and my early thirties, and you're just kind of a I don't know. There's a sort of fearlessness about 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 it sometimes and you sort of go, well, this is a great opportunity, let's have fun, you know, which is the most important thing. Um, um I was listening to Gary Oldman or he was talking and, and and it's like, you know, just you know, a lot of actors we we beat ourselves up, you know. I, I've done that. We get so nervous and you go, you give yourself a hard time, but you know, in auditions or when you're performing, it's just like if you've prepared enough, you know, mm-hmm. just go and just just have fun, you know. Enjoy yourself. Hundred yeah, percent. Do you? How do you find um, like improvisation and things like that? Because I know that strikes fear into the into the eyes of a lot of actors. But I, I personally, I um, I love it because I'm dyslexic. So if someone goes throw the script away and just make it, I'm like, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. How I, do you find it? I, I agree. I agree. I mean, if as long as you've got a as long as you've got a, a good um, uh, idea of of who who the, who your character is, or, or or what the or what the scene, um, what's the what's the objective of the scene in a sense, instead of just you know rattling on, <laughs> improvising, you know, talking for talking's sake. Um, if you have an idea, uh, where you know. Is there an end game to this scene, or or, or are we just sort of, um, uh, you know, dropping an idea of an argument or something funny or whatever the this in situ, whatever it may be? Then, um, then yeah, I, I I love improvising. You know, I I love it. Um, even even if you you're on script, off script, if you if you're you know you've got dialogue that's in the script, but then you go off and improvise, but then go back to it. I've done that before, and it's um yeah, I mm. think. Uh, the director or an editing suite afterwards, you can, you can, you know, you can pick pick out some really nice, uh, nuanced, interesting moments f- from from doing improv, and and um, mm. I think that can be it can be helpful if you have um, um, the time and the luxury to do that. But I, yeah, I, I love improvising. Uh, me and me and my friend Kate Dickey, we we when I auditioned for that role in that show Red Road, film Red Road. Um, we were doing a lot of improvising in the audition, actually. Um, and I was with Kate, as a girl I know from drama school, Royal Scottish Academy in Glasgow. But um, we improvised during an audition once, the two of us together. And it was, um, uh, I guess, the director was there seeing what's the chemistry between these two actors, you know, um, that may have a sort of a, um, a, a sexual or a sensual relationship. Um, and we were sort of... Um, uh, improvising so I think uh, yeah I, I think it's a a great um, uh, a great way to to 
to you know just to 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 dig stuff up from the character mm, or, or see what comes out you know you don't know what you're going to say you don't know what you're going to do um but if you know if you have a fair idea who your character is or mm. or or something about the scene what's going on um then maybe you can unearth some stuff from that which mm-hmm. i find compelling and and very uh, and and can can be really um and also you just don't know what another actor's going to do <laughs> when, when you're imp- when you're improvising, which also can be, um, uh, you know, you can find you can find uh, gold from from things like that as well. You know, sometimes you can find gold, but also sometimes, sometimes you set each other off, and then you're like, we're not going to get through this now. Yeah, know, <laughs> you like, start laughing, and you're like, where, oh where's no, this going exactly. Where where where's this going? You know. <laughs> now for a quick break. Are you a writer, director, actor, costume designer, perhaps makeup artist? Are you interested in camera? This is the place to share your journey. We want to hear from you. How did you start your career? Has it started yet? And perhaps if you're feeling brave, share with us your most embarrassing film-related moment. So slip into our DMs at Life in Film Pod on Instagram. Check out the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash life in film where you'll get episodes early and uncut amongst other treats. And don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy this episode, please leave us a positive rating. Add us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at Life in Film Pod, and find our video episodes on YouTube by searching Elliot James Language Life in Film. Essentially, please like and subscribe everything. It makes a huge difference. Thank you. This is also a space we'd like to fill with sponsors and advertisement for like-minded podcasts. So please get in touch. And back to the show. When it comes to, obviously, you've worked a lot and you, it, for, you know, for someone like me looking at your career, it feels like you've never stopped working. You've always like got great jobs. There must, please tell me, there must have been times where you were out of work and you were like, what am I going to do? Is this right? You know, th- those kind of downtimes, what do you do to to sort of cope with with that? Do you have like hobbies or coping mechanisms that kind of get you through the the um, the dry spurts? Yeah. Um, golf. <laughs> very good very good are you one of those guys that will go go and do a film because it's near a good golf course <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly. totally <laughs> I definitely, is this is this near carnusty no is it <laughs> um no i am um, augusta no i am um, no I, I mean i've had plenty of downtime my friend you know many actors have um but I, I tend to, you know, I, I don't like to sit about the house and watch TV because it's, it's it's very depressing. <laughs> but uh, I've always, uh, I, I always work out, you know. I go to the gym, I keep fit. I've always done that. Um, you know, I sort of meditate and try to calm my mind because it goes a bit, you know. You're always uh, thinking, when's the next gig coming from, you know. Um, I think physically and mentally, if you just kind of prepare yourself. I mean, I've been... I'm in my fifties now, but when you're younger, I did. I did the same though. I always sort of try to keep fit and uh, and stuff like that. Or I read plays, you know, or you know, get any sort of a, you know, interesting books about you know autobiographies on actors and stuff like that. I always found that interesting. Um, uh, reading stuff about the business, you know, um, and I'd always meditate. I'd always do that as well because I'd always always get ahead of myself your mind is always racing ahead oh you know where what why when what's when's it gonna happen 
And um, and if you do that, oh, we still do that. It's, <laughs> it can drive you uh, you mad, you know. But um, yeah. you know, I did, I played golf. I I started playing golf in my thirties, and and I'd keep fit a lot. Mm. Um, I think it's good to have uh, a regime, isn't it? If you have like say yeah. fitness, something like that, and um, totally. it's it's funny that you say that. Um, you know, watching sitting around and watching TV is depressing. For most people, the idea of you know they've got their nine to five job, like you can sit around and watch TV. But for an actor, like to sit down and watch another actor acting in a job that you didn't get or you maybe auditioned for is like the worst case scenario. Yeah, you're like, no, 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 I exactly. need to go out and go to the gym. I need to do something or write a script yeah. or whatever it may be. Um, Detailed yeah. television, though, Elliot. I was so, oh. I, lived, like, I lived in Peckham or I lived in Kilburn or Islington. I lived in London, and if you get up and you you you, you get you know, some daytime television would come on and you'd be like, oh, and Oprah or um, so, or something else. Homes Under like, the Hammer or something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, under the, homes Under the Hammer, a classic. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you, uh, what is it? The um, Antiques Roadshow. Like, oh, my yeah. God. Great. Three hours later. What time is it? But um, no, uh, yeah. I, yeah. No, also, I, I have a daughter you now and, and, and when I'm not, you know, working there's always something to be done around the house or stuff mm. like that but um yeah no i um i think it's good to keep the mind and body active you know definitely because uh 100 yeah. no 100 the um uh, i do i do want to ask you about like the different roles that you've played all these things and and i know it's hard to kind of pick a favorite or kind of you know favor a certain project over another but was there a moment in your career where you went oh actually this is where I'm supposed to be and and this part has really kind of put in stone that this is I'm in the right place right time and I'm doing the thing that I should be doing um that's a it's a good question hey it's a good one um, you're like a good question but I can't <laughs> yeah no a good question I I've no idea what to say though <laughs> he's gonna make it up now no um well, what what springs to mind is actually um uh I don't know if it was like in a in a moment of like oh yeah I can do this or what was um there was a a master class with Janet Susman Shakespeare um she's a, a wonderful actress English actress Shakespearean classical actress um film theater television she was coming up to do a master class at my drama school actually when I was um. 21, 22 in Glasgow, the Royal Scottish Academy. It's now called the Conservatoire <laughs> um, uh, of Glasgow. Um, but she came and the people were doing like uh, uh, monologues and duologues from As You Like It and Much Ado About Nothing. Um, I did a, a Benedict speech from Much Ado but not, um, and I, I do much wonder that one man seeing how much another man is a fool when he dedicates all his behaviors to love that one. Anyway, so for a while I was I was doing a sort of an RP accent, talking like that, you know, which is all very well. And Ted Argent was the head of the college, and he was basically um, uh, he'd say to me one day I'd been rehearsing for like two two weeks on this, you know, and he's like, Jimmy, you know, you're doing well, but it's you know. And he turned to me and he said, why don't you try it in your own accent? And I was like, what? <laughs> My own accent? Are you mad? You know, because <laughs> at the time it was all like, you know, 
I mean, when you, when we did when they did Shakespeare back in Jacobean times, back in the day, you know, men playing women, vice versa, regional accents were the thing, you know. Everybody had regional accents. Um, received pronunciation, you know, maybe. I don't know if it was around or if it was, you know, it certainly wasn't as, um, you know, like it is nowadays. But anyway, I, I ended up dropping the RP accent and just doing it in my own accent. So it was like a Scottish Benedict, you know. Um, <clears throat> sounds like a breakfast. But um, so I ended up um, <clears throat> uh, doing it. And so I was the last up out of all the, all the people. It was a place, it was an Athenaeum, and I, there was loads of people there. And I ended up coming out. And um, uh, Janet Susman, she said, and now for a, a Scottish Benedict, because she... I'd seen little tapes. We'd done little tapes, and she saw a little bit of it beforehand. And she critiques everybody afterwards. And basically, um, uh, I got up and I, I did this um, this Benedict speech, which is, um, you know, talks about this woman and how you know he won't be with this woman unless she she has hair like this, unless she can play, you know, you know the violin. And 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 at, at the end of it, and and I see, end up saying it, and uh, you know, she, a woman she loved good discourse, an excellent musician, and her hair shall be. It was going quite well at this point, by the way. People were laughing, which is a great buzz for an actor. Anybody will tell you if you're doing a comedy or a stand up, the, the audience are, you know, giggling away. You know, I was feeling pretty good, but at the end of it, I ended up saying, "And her hair shall be," and the line is, "Whatever color it please God." So I ended up going, she's been an excellent musician, um, a woman of great discourse, an excellent musician, and her hair shall be, her hair shall be ginger. Yes, her hair shall be ginger. Anyway, the sort of place went, they started laughing, and I was obviously just having a laugh myself, and, <laughs> yeah, you know, improvising on Shakespeare. <laughs> but, but then uh, they, they sort of clapped, and I sort of got a good reaction, and Janet Susman turned around to me, and she went, she went, Thank you, Tony. And um, and then all she said was, "You can sit down." You know, it was she didn't have any notes oh, wow. for me. And um, and then of course I got a bit cocky and I said, "Do you want me to try it without the chair?" Anyway, <laughs> and she sort of Very laughed. Good, but... yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. So, uh, sorry about that long-winded story, but basically, I guess I don't know. As as a kid, doing a bit of Shakespeare on stage, um. I'm not saying that was a, a moment of, uh, you know, oh, this is it. This is what I've got to do. Mm. But it was, uh, it was a memorable moment, Elliot, and one of, like, uh, uh, any actor will tell you, it was like, oh, I want, I want more of this, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was you like got in your opening, flow state. Opening a, in a, opening a vein, as it were, but just like, a, you know, when you get that reaction, that uh, was just a monologue I was doing. It was a, it was a little... A sort of a class, um, a Shakespeare sort of workshop, but I just felt, oh, this is, um, you know, I mean, you try as a, as a kid, no matter what you're doing, if you're trying to be an actor or you try to be a plumber or you try to be a doctor or a nurse or whatever you try to do, I guess as human beings, you, I do anyway. You crave connection. I want connection with people. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, you're not not always in the sense of what you want adulation but you know as an actor it's 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 nice when you get a reaction you know you can't deny that because we're you know we live in this um 
and a world where we <laughs> where we're um you know creating an emotional response. That's you're you're a performer, you're an actor. This is your job um to uh you know to put a mirror up to to, to society and, and and show people what who we are as human beings, you know. And I guess in many ways that's what actors do, you know, mm. make you laugh and make you cry. Uh, I'll show you what you're like, how you behave, how you should behave. Um, so, uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm wittering on, but just the idea of, um, of, uh, of becoming an actor to me was, was, uh, you know, I guess it was exciting, you know, the possibilities, the different characters you can play. So I think that, yeah, that, yeah. yeah, it's funny, isn't it? The difference as well between stage and film. You say, you know, getting that reaction from the audience is such a big thing. And then if you do a movie, you're not really seeing that reaction until you maybe watch it in a cinema with people. So it's such yeah. a strange delay, isn't it, between the two things? But I think it's um I think that's a really good place to to sort of start wrapping up because I've I've wasted way more time than I promised I would. Oh, I was like right. Only 20 minutes. Um, right. but I just want to ask you two more things um just to, these are kind of it's like kind of just a bit of fun but um are you aware of the game um six degrees of kevin bacon hey i'm kevin bacon six degrees of kevin bacon i'm kevin bacon have you got any idea how you connect to kevin bacon um Yes, I, 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 I do. You want me to tell? Do you want me to? to uh, yeah, yeah. If you, yeah, it might be different to what I've got here. You might, right. might have a um, better I, answer. I yeah. think. Um, I didn't. He kill me in an X X Man X Men movie. Oh wait, no, yeah, that's very. I, I see what I've got here is different to that, but that's a way more direct. <laughs> that just shows how rubbish this website is. Because that's what right. it said to me, it said Kevin. It said your name, Tony Curran, and then it said Pearl Harbor. Then it said Dan Aykroyd. Then it said she's having a baby to Kevin Bacon. That's a much longer list, but he actually wow. killed you in X Men. Yeah, I, I think he did. What what was the Dan? What was the? Uh, oh, was he was he in Pearl Harbor? So yes. Dan Aykroyd was in Pearl Harbor. Yeah, and he was also so, in. She's having a baby. And Kevin, Kevin Bacon, Bacon was in. in. What was Kevin Bacon in? Was he in Pearl Kevin Harbor? Kevin Bacon was in. No. She's having a baby. Right. And how yeah. does what's the what's the correlation between me so and? So it's oh. the list. So you're basically you, it has right. to be your name. I a project, see. A project he you've was, worked yeah. on. Dan Aykroyd was at Pearl Harbor, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, actually, no, I, I, you're correct. You've beaten my, the... Uh... <laughs> my old pal, Jason Fleming, called me up, who plays who played this character in X-Men First Class mm. with um, uh, Fat Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy. Um, and they shot it at Sony. And it was like, it's another little cameo. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. You play this agent and you try to stop Magneto. But it's not actually Magneto. It's uh, well, Fastbender plays the young Ian McKellen. I take it. Um, but at this point, Kevin Bacon's running a mock with Magneto's helmet, and basically, um, he comes out, and I, I run out, <clears throat> and uh, I think I said to the director, "Can I improvise this?" And he went, well, "What are you going to say?" And I said some silly line like, <laughs> "If you." <laughs> 
put your hands in the air or um, I'm, I'm going to drop you. Put, put it down, I'm going to put it down, you know, or I'm going to drop you, something silly like that. And he ended up doing it. But then uh, I think he did one of those magneto hand gestures and, and uh, he, he, he killed me. So um, so is that one degree of separation there? Yeah, it is. You, you basically, you've worked with Kevin Bacon, so you won, you won the game. You won the game. That's funny that they got that wrong, though. Is that, that... that is yeah, it's it's completely inaccurate. The whole thing's been debunked now. I can't use that website. Yeah, rip it. I have to do my own homework yeah. now. Unbelievable. And the, the last thing I want to ask you is, I mean, your story about Pearl Harbor was actually really great and kind of like not an embarrassing story, but like a pressure cooker story where you're thinking, oh my god, where's this going to go? Is it going to go wrong? But do you have an embarrassing story? Something like you maybe a casting story or. Or a story on set where, you know, something you were corpsing maybe or something went wrong. A story that you're willing to share with us. Most embarrassing moments, yeah. So I'm sorry I'm such a name dropper, but I have worked with go for these, these cats. So I'm on a, a TV show called Luck. Um, it's a... Uh, Oh yeah, amazing uh, show. Michael Mike, Mann, basically Michael Mann. It's about horse racing in, in uh, California, and um, it's got Dustin Hoffman in it. He's playing one of the characters. I'm playing like this, uh, um, you know, uh, bodyguard type character. The U.S. Open is going on at Pebble Beach at this point. We're filming downtown LA. I come into the makeup trailer. Someone says, "Tony, I'm, I've got my phone. I'm watching about the U.S. Open golf on my phone. You know, I like a bit of golf, of course." Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, and then, uh, and Dustin Hoffman goes, "Oh, hi, hi uh, Tony. Nice to meet you, Dustin." And I said, "Nice to meet you, Dustin." You know, and I shake his hand, and he goes, "Oh, you're watching the Open?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "I'll oh, keep me, uh, keep me posted." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, cool. You like a bit of golf? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you who's." I said, "Oh, yeah, Mickelson's five under right now." Or, "Oh, cool." So, um. It's later in the day, and we've shot some stuff. And I see Dustin Hoffman come out, come, coming out the bathroom, you know, and um, I, uh, he's got his jacket on. He's trying to get his, his sort of uh, his um, his, uh, his suit jacket on, but he can't quite get his hand in. And and he comes up to me and he looks at me, and I I go to help him. And he's like, oh, thank, thank you, and I, and I help him put his arm in his jacket. And as as I'm doing that, he goes. Smiles and he goes, Watson. And I go, um, oh, uh, Holmes. And he goes, What? And I go, Sorry, I thought you were, um, Watson Holmes. I, th I thought you would have been funny with, um, Sherlock Holmes, you know. And he went, What are you talking about? And I was like, Um, so I was just being, he said, No, no, Tom Watson. What is he? And I went, Oh shit! Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Tom's at. Uh, he's Tom's two two under. Two, he's two under two under par. He just just at the turn. And he's like, oh, okay, cool, thank you. <laughs> he's sort of fucked off. Uh, I love. I love how you took the dive. You're like, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna commit. <laughs> I just uh, stood there. Yeah. I was like, um, who? What? Holmes, and he was like, "What are you? What are you talking about?" And I was like, "I thought you were being funny." <laughs> He's like, no. Anyway, of course, I felt like a bit of a dick, but uh, no, he was, was talking brilliant. about the wonderful Tom Watson. So anyway, anyway. <laughs> that's perfect. Thank yada, you yada, so much, Danny, man. Really enjoyed this, and I genuinely like. We, I mean, we had Jason Fleming's been on here actually. Um, he told a very funny story about Sean Connery, which um, oh yeah. 
using the word cunts, which... Um... Yeah, he, he told you that story. Oh, my yeah. God. And it's brilliant. I was, um... I was there. I I was standing behind him when he when he said that. Yeah. Oh, really? We're on League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and uh, we're doing a scene where we're on the bridge of a submarine. The submarine is on a green platform with a green back screen, and then a step down to the ground. It's like a, on a stage, and Big Sean is walking across the stage. And he's walking towards me. He's, he's old like this. He's like, <laughs> and he's walking towards the stage like this. And he gets to the stage. And I'm already on the stage. And, and the step up is about, I don't know, foot and a half. Probably more than an 82-year-old man can do without a step or an assistant. And I go, oh, okay, he's on his own. There's no step and there's no assistant. So I put my arm out to him and I go, Sean, here, take my arm. And he, he looks up at me and he grabs my arm. And then I look down at him and I grab his hand. And then I have this moment where I go, how hard do I pull? I don't know how hard to pull because it's Sean Connery. And he looks up at me and he goes, well, pull, you cunt. <laughs> and I go, oh, shit. <laughs> Sean Connery has just called me a, a C-U-N-T on oh, no, on oh, no. So I pull him up and then he's like, Jesus Christ. And he walks off and I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God, I did that so badly wrong. A quick one, because it's a good one. He was dancing with my mother in Prague and I see Sean Connery. My mum start hitting Sean. He started joking, hitting her. And um, I'm like, what, what is he doing? What is he doing? And I go over and I'm, you know, I'm... I, I'm, I'm in my 30s. I'm a young man working in Prague. My mum's dancing with Sean Connery. She's five foot. Mary, he's six four. We're all a bit tipsy. It's the producer's birthday. I'm like, you know, life is good. And I go over and I say, what, what was going on here? And he goes, oh, I was just, uh, I was just asking your your mother. Uh, I said you're the spitting image of your boy. And she goes, Oh, I get that a lot, Sean. And um, and and. And my mum says, well, apart from the beard, apart from his beard, because I had a little beard at the time, and Sean went, well, that's only a matter of time. So uh, <laughs> so that's when she went, yeah, cheeky bastard, and started. Oh, so, that's brilliant. That's another anyway, great I can't Sean Connery story. Jason told you that. See you next Tuesday yeah. story. That's Oh, crazy. yeah. I'll um I'll have to send you I'll, I'll send it funny. to your agent and um they can forward it on to you but his clip is so funny the way he tells but anyway Tony I'll let you go we've uh, I've I've taken enough of your time but um really appreciate you, it man, man. Yeah, great yeah. to talk to Elliot, you and good, um, luck. good luck with thank you mate there. yeah all the best man Maybe take I'll, care I'll, I'll see you in London at some point I'll see you in London take care yeah 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 nice man yeah. take care yeah, man. Bye. good luck bye buddy bye bye it's a laugh and film motherfucker subscribe Thank you to our guest Tony and thank you to CES D Talent Agency and Scott Marshall Partners.